Greetings. We hope you enjoy this podcast of a Science for the Public program. If you'd like to see the video of this program, just search the title on our website under the Archives tab at the top of the homepage, www.scienceforthepublic.org. Good evening. I'm Yvonne Stapp, and I welcome you to Contemporary Science Issues and Innovations. Tonight, we catch up with the Large Hadron Collider at CERN as it closes down for a two-year upgrade. Our guest, Marcus Kluta, is Associate Professor of Physics at MIT. Dr. Kluta has extensive experience with particle colliders, beginning at Fermilab in Illinois while he was still a doctoral student, and then later moving uh, to the Large Large Hadron Collider at CERN in Europe, where he's associated now. His team played a central role in the discovery of the Higgs boson, and he continues the effort to discover the most basic components of matter, and possibly antimatter, produced in the Big Bang. Tonight, Dr. Kluta explains the complexity of producing the particle collisions and the analysis of particle data at the LHC. He'll tell us about the discovery of a possible new particle that awaits confirmation. Again, the LHC has just shut down for a two-year upgrade, and we'll learn about the forthcoming changes as well. And in the meantime, we're very honored to welcome Professor Marcus Klutas. Well, thank you for having us. Yes, and I would like to get a little background to start with, please, in case it's unfamiliar. So, what is the Large Hadron Collider? <laughs> well, the Large Hadron Collider is a large. <laughs> um, it is uh, located in Geneva in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about 16 miles in circumference. And what we do there is we, we take protons. They come out of a bottle of hydrogen, basically. Um, we accelerates them in electric and magnetic fields. Magnetic fields are used in order to you know, keep the particles yeah. on a circular orbit. And then we bring them to collision at very, very high energy. Um, what, the, what those collisions teach us is uh, a multiple, uh, multiple things. Um, we can use the particles at very high ener uh, energies in order to probe small scales of matter. So we basically use the Large Hadron Collider as a very large microscope. We can look into matter very, yeah. very precisely. Um, but as many viewers probably know, um, having a lot of energy um, available allows us to produce massive new particles. And that's what the machine, the, the, the key aspect of the machine is being able to probe the possible existence of new particles at very high mass scales. May I ask about mm -hmm. this now, when they say the new particles all the time like that, is that a reconstruction of particles that existed in, say, the, uh, the, very, uh, the, the beginning of the universe or something novel? Perhaps. I mean, mm -hmm. um, so maybe I should explain a little bit more what's happening inside, in, inside mm -hmm. the LHC. Mm -hmm. So at a number of collision points, we have four at the LHC, uh, we bring those bunches of protons to collision. It's not just one proton on right, one yeah, proton, yeah. it's 10 to the 11 protons on 10 to 11 protons, and that uh, about 40 million times per second. So there's a lot of proton-proton collisioning happening. Um, and then we try to reconstruct with uh, big cameras which look at those collisions what actually happened there. Uh -huh. um, in case we produced <coughs> a heavy new particle, we will find 
not the particle itself having an interaction with the detector, but this new particle most likely will immediately decay yeah. into multiple new particles, and those need to be reconstructed in order to figure out whether or not there is a signature of something exciting new. Uh -oh. That's exactly how we discovered the Higgs boson by now, about six years ago. Um, the Higgs boson was produced in our collisions, and then the signature of the Higgs bosons was a pair of photons or a pair of electrons or muons, other, other, other particles in the detector. Okay. And then the measurement of the momentum and the energies of those particles allows us to reconstruct that there was a collision which resulted in a heavy new particle being created. Okay, now the Higgs mm -hmm. had been anticipated exactly. for a long time, yeah. but you're looking for even things you don't know about at this time, right? That, that, so I guess maybe we should back up and ask you about the standard model. Mm -hmm. Was that the thing that generated the questions in the first place? That uh, what are we looking for? So like the Higgs was sort of predicted. Yeah, so the Higgs boson itself was postulated in the 60s. The standard model then was actually put together you know, in the years in the 70s and early, early 80s um, with ever more precise calculations which allow us then to, to test our data. I see. Um, the Higgs boson itself was not discovered and so there was an open question. There was a particle which was predicted by our standard theory okay. which was simply missing and so the task of the LHC was to find this particle. That was a key task uh, for which we, we, we built the uh, accelerator. So now that we found this particle, we can ask whether or not you know, more precise measurement of this new particle allow us to find possible deviations or a confirmation of our theory. And that's what we have been doing for the last six years. I mean, we have not been sitting on our hands. Oh, I know. Um, well, but we, we uh, have more and more precise measurements. And, and my key research aspects are in the, in the area of Higgs physics, so I'm trying to do a number of things. One is to probe the Higgs boson with more precision, so we make more precise measurements and try to test the particle. We try to find new properties or discover new properties of this particle, for example, whether or not there's de decay modes which we, we have not anticipated or we measure those we haven't seen yet. Um, but there's extensions to the standard model which explain potential exp uh, extensions of the standard model which explain to us potentially other phenomena in nature. Okay. Um, and so, so one of those extensions, or many of those extensions, postulate additional Higgs bosons. So we have been trying to find those. We haven't seen them yet. Yes. So that's uh, ongoing research. But it sounds as though it takes such an enormous amount of time to get through that data all by itself. Mm -hmm. So you have these tremendous collisions, and you need this force in order to produce the particles. Is that it? We have to produce in the order of 10 to the 11th collisions again in order to create numbers. one Higgs boson. Isn't that something? That's why we have, yeah. you know, we have, you know, all those protons circling around in this in this tunnel and bringing them to collision at enormous rate. Yes. Such that every now and then we produce a Higgs boson. Every now and then we produce something we might have not anticipated. But it's not yet. an everyday thing. When you get this data, do you collect all of it, or mm -hmm. do you pre-select what you're sort of looking for? Yeah. So we have. We produce collisions 40 million times per second, and yeah. each of those collisions is each time when our camera makes a picture, uh, we actually study in the order of 50 uh, simultaneous collisions. On average, the number is 38 by okay. now. Okay. Um, so we're looking at 38 proton-proton collisions with one shot of a camera, and we do this 40 million times per second. Now, one of those pictures of this camera would be one megabyte big. It's 
you know, comparable with your camera, you're yeah. taking the pictures. Yeah. But it cannot store 40 million pictures exactly. per second. And most of them wouldn't be of interest. So right. we, yeah, we look for, you know, signatures of large energy deposi depositions in our detector, or maybe a specific signature of a muon, some signatures of interest in our detector. And that helps us to decide whether or not we want to keep the event or just disregard it. And the trick is to get rid of everything which is not of interest as quickly as possible. We have a few uh, microseconds time to make this kind of decision, and then only the remaining data is then collected. Okay. We have uh, we, this, this early trigger stage, we call this triggering, we're selecting those events, is able to look more closely at about 100,000 events per second, one, uh, 100 kilohertz. Those events are then read out of the detector, out of the camera, and put in a computing farm, which uh -huh. then allows us to look more precisely. Yes. So here we have about a, you know, a millisecond time to look at yeah. those things. Yeah. And we look for more complicated signatures. Right, right, right. And about 1,000 of those events per second we record. We okay. write them on a disk, disk and see. then we ship them around on the, on the globe in order to further reconstruct, analyze, and understand what kind of physics okay. is happening. Now suppose mm -hmm. you do find something interesting then, like when the Higgs first showed up, they really took a long time to confirm mm -hmm. that. But you get something, and it looks interesting. How do you confirm it? Does it will it show up again and again, or the use of these different detectors is, are they involved in that? So you have the CMS and the, uh, and the mm -hmm. Atlas and so on. So yeah, so we you know do statistical tests. We ask mm -hmm. the question whether or not our background, in this case a standard model hypothesis, is consistent with the data. Okay. And only if the likelihood of that is very, very low, we claim that there's evidence for some new physics or maybe an observation of some okay. new physics. In that case, we would consult with, at CERN with the CERN management. We would also consult with the ATLAS experiment in order to ask them to whether or not they can confirm or discredit our results or our findings. Okay. And that is, that is a standard procedure. Um, we make use of the fact that we do have very sim two very similar, but not quite the same experiments. So there are slightly different systematic effects, which you know, from the way we detect, from the way okay. we construct the All events. Right. So we, we have this almost I immediate proof whether or not our discovery is, is, is valid. In the case of the Higgs bosons, both the ATLAS and the CMS experiments, the collaborations made the discovery at okay. almost exactly the same time. Even so, the detectors are very different. Um, ah. But it turned out that both of the designs used for the detectors yielded approximately the same sensitivity for the Higgs. That is not really a surprise because the LHC, but also the detectors, were built with the Higgs boson in mind. Yes, okay. Um, what does a signature look like? I'm assuming that you, there's a, well, I, th I think it's been referred to as a bump. <laughs> yes. Right. So the, the signatures of new particles are typically bumps. So we okay. have a, a spectrum of something in our, in our data. It could be the, the mass calculated, reconstructed from two individual particles. Okay. Let's say two photons. Um, the, the spectrum of standard model processes in our, which we record, they give us a distribution. This distribution might be flat, might be exponentially falling. In case of the Higgs boson, this was almost an exponentially falling distribution, ah, and we looked for something, a deviation in this, a bump. Okay. Didn't quite know what the mass of this particle might be, so we had to scan this entire spectrum and try to find excesses of events, additional mm -hmm. events, over this 
um, hypothesis of a background. Okay, so once you get an image or this, mm -hmm. this interesting data, there's a lot of work after that Absolutely. to make, to make mm -hmm. sure. And then you have, is it the four, are they separate detectors? The, the, and you can confirm in that yeah, way. So we have, we have two experiments which are conceptually similar and they have a wide range of physics interests and okay. ideas. Those two have been used in order to discover the, uh, the Higgs boson, right. the Atlas experiment and the CMS experiment. Yes. We have two more dedicated experiments. One is called LHCB and yes. it tries to you know, study as a main physics goal uh, B mesons and there's a question of CP violation of the symmetry between matter and antimatter is ah, of essence. So that's where they do that work. Yeah. I'd like to ask you about that. And the other experiment then is ALICE and ALICE is an experiment which is dedicated to the study not of protons and proton collisions but to the collisions of lead and lead. Every year at the end of the year we you know, take about a month out of this year to collide not protons with protons but lead with lead. Um, all four experiments can study those events, but the ALICE experiment is dedicated uh, for uh, this kind of I'm not I'm probably mm -hmm. not clear on that when you say they, they use the lead. It, is the nucleus then the whole nucleus? They, they use the it's whole not just a proton. It's not just a proton. Ah, I see. Many protons and many nuclei that brought together. Yes, in order and to heavy. Exactly, and so the, the question here, the big physics question is uh, the form of a new form of matter which we call a quark gluon plasma. It's a plasma of freely flowing quarks and gluon, which you know, is a study of you know, the early universe in a sense where this kind of environment was present. So here for a very short time we create this new form of matter and then we can study the property. I see. We learned for example that it behaves like an almost perfect liquid in a, in a for a very short instant of time. But we can, we can make but this But you can of capture that yes, at exactly. least. And this uh, is, is similar to what you would have seen at the beginning of the universe then, yeah. that, uh, that, that property, whereas that's not the case with the proton-proton with the collision. That's correct. Then. So we okay. use proton-proton collisions for the study of lead-lead collisions too. We just use okay. it as a reference. Uh -huh. We here compare, you know, what would you expect when you have two nuclei collide to what, what happens when you have two lead um, Okay. Okay. So you have all this data, and now it seems as though you need these shutdowns in order to have the time to do, deal with the mm -hmm. data. Can you give us an idea what what's involved with looking? I mean, of course, the, I the think people are aware mm -hmm. that these are enormous teams of people. Yeah. So the, the, this shutdown specifically, I mean, we have about two years. Every single day of this year is planned for activities Whoa. on the detector. Um, so the CMS team, the yes. experiment has a dedicated plan. Um, we have this experiment in a collision hall. It's like a you know three-story building. Yeah. It's very large and it's very heavy. It's as heavy as the Eiffel Tower. And so we have this this experiment there, and we have to move pieces around in order to make changes to the inner part of the detector. We have a small upgrade planned for the CMS detector, but just moving the pieces along, making sure that we don't break anything. Then oh, we, I can't we, imagine. We have. We have uh, <laughs> Short up this, this update to yeah. our one of our colorometers, and then we have to put every, everything back together. Okay, um, but at the same time, the Atlas experiment has an update. LHCB and Alice have yeah. major yeah. upgrade yeah. Uh, to the detectors, and uh, the, the LHC itself also will have a change to its injector chain in order to allow more intense collisions after the shutdown. Okay. Um, these things all involve matter, our standard matter, mm -hmm. and. Mm -hmm. Is there anything to do with 
antimatter. I thought you alluded to that just briefly. Yeah, so Will me, that show up? When we collide protons, matter, with mm -hmm, protons, mm -hmm, matter, mm -hmm, we you know, have some energy available, and that energy then forms into a pair of matter and an antimatter. Okay. And so that's, that's just standard physics which happens. And okay. most of them we wouldn't All even right. call All right, like those, those images you see sometimes where, uh, yes, okay. So most of this is not really exciting, but okay. what we can then do is we can study that some of this matter, those B mesons, they can form, they can oscillate between being in a matter state and an antimatter state. Yeah. And there is some symmetry between those oscillations, and that symmetry is very slightly broken. And measuring by how much it's broken is a very interesting question. Uh, on that, mm -hmm. this is, seems like a major question for the beginning of the universe. How did you get that asymmetry in the first place? Because exactly. we wouldn't be here, as they say, if we didn't have mm -hmm. that. Then do you anticipate being able to answer that question down <laughs> the line? So that we have strategies in order to, in, and we, we ask questions to our data. I didn't make nature, so we are just observing. <laughs> so um, I, I think that the Higgs boson might have to tell us another story than just ah. being that. So the, the, and when you just look at the zoo of potential, yeah, I know that. <laughs> you know, other models or extensions to our standard yeah. model, the Higgs boson plays a very prominent role okay. there. And so it could actually be that there's a CP violation violating the CP is the symmetry I was yes. talking about. Processes with, which, which violate the symmetry could happen in the decay of Higgs bosons. We're looking for those. Okay. Um, but there's other m mechanisms where this could happen. And we, in the US specifically, we have a large program of neutrino physics. Yes, This yes. has nothing to do with the LHC, right, right. but there, there's a potential for discoveries as well in that area. Right. And you know, putting all this data, all this information together and forming you know, the next step in our understanding is what we're trying to do here. Right. Um, do you think it's hard or for people, and I included here scientists, there are scientists that are opposed to this big science stuff because it takes a lot of money mm -hmm. and, and resources and so on. And of course it's after these tremendous fundamental questions. Uh, do you find that you're on the defensive about that <laughs> at, at all or do people really welcome it now? Yes and no. I mean, there's, you know, we have to motivate our science, and our, this, the, the way we conduct our science is very different from small groups who have tabletop experiments. That's right, where, right. You know, you know, a small amount of money can answer one specific yes. question, but we do have a, a very large program at CERN with with our experiment, with my experiment, but also with the other experiment, which requires a lot of resources. Yes. But we do produce a lot of science. We have produced. Um, I know, don't know what the total number is, but in the order of 150 pa papers. I see, either churned out constantly, the updates are. So there's, there's you know, a constant production of yes. new science coming out. Yes. Many of the results just say, we looked here and we didn't find anything exciting, but right. that is an increase in right, knowledge. Right, that right, is in right. in interesting information. Itself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, can we go to what you do specifically, mm -hmm. your particular interests in this? What do you focus on? So there's the, the science part, the physics part of it, which has to do with really studying whether or not there are additional Higgs bosons, whether Higgs bosons have certain decay characteristics, mm. comparing them with the expectation and learning about the Higgs boson that way. That's a key part of my research. But beyond that, I also make sure that we can actually analyze the data. So for the last couple of years, I was focused on making sure that we 
ex extract the best physics possible out of the data we take. And that has to do with uh, calibrating the detector, with aligning the detector. I mean, you know, we have a camera, right? Yeah. And the camera takes pictures. It's not one picture, but many yeah. individual parts of a picture at the same time. One has to know very precisely to the micrometer level where the actual detector is. And so that is a detector which is as big as, you know, a large house. Yeah. Um, and there is a magnetic field which is turned on and off. There is metals involved, so things start moving. Oh. And we have to measure the movement. Um, we also radiate our detector quite a bit while we have those proton-proton collisions going on. And um, one of the mechanisms which we use, we have a crystal in which we create light. And then the amount of light we create tells us how much energy the particles had initially. Oh. But when you measure light and you observe the light in this process, um, you might make a mistake in the actual measurement. And so when we radiate this crystal, yeah. it becomes darker and darker. And so we have to measure precisely um, how much light actually comes out of this crystal when we inject energy in the first place. So this is called a calibration. And so this calibration has to happen constantly. The trick here is that you, mean you have to keep we a, have to recalibrate constantly or something. absolutely in order to measure make the best measurements if you don't do that you smear the energy and you get don't get a peak where you bump this but you get a very broad um, axis and yeah. that means yeah. that we, we have less information we can potentially miss a discovery uh, yes yes yeah. uh, i was going to say that i from the way you describe mm -hmm. it it sounds as though that would be one of the great anxieties and that's an important part of the upgrade i i take Absolutely. it Constant, is that uh, mm -hmm. to get it more precise all the time because otherwise things disappear right and we, we have a program of upgrade to the detector which helps us to make slightly different measurements which help us to make better measurements in right. the future also to collect more data at a certain amount of time. So as you look into the future, we have upgrades of the detector plant and the LHC, which allows us to take even more data at any, any certain moment in time, which means that the, the rate of acquisition of data increases. Ooh. And that there's a number of challenges which come to this, which we are trying to address. Yes. For the upgrade, the mm -hmm. present upgrade, which is a two-year span, mm -hmm. right, what's happening at that? during this time, what are they working on there? Because I understand there's another one coming oh, yeah. so uh, a, down the line that's even a larger time yeah. where, when it's down, and that's to enlarge the project, So right? in, this, in this current round, from my experiment, it's, it's really changing some electronics and okay. some readout of the calorimeters, for example, in order to, you know, again, this, the concept is we have particles, we stop particles in our detector and transform the energy in light. The more efficiently we get the light out, the more precise is our measurement. Yes. So we are changing the, the way we, we read out the light out of the out of part of the detector in order to make measure, better measurements. Right. Um, but the, the next level of upgrade, which is planned from 2024 to 2026, is a much larger upgrade. So the machine, the LHC, will then be able to you know produce many more collisions as we have to have today. Um, but the detectors will not be able to. To, to survive, there will just uh, there's radiation damage from from those collisions happening, and we do need to replace part of the detector with components which are radiation safe, so they don't suffer in performance as we radiate them. Um, so the current detector has not been designed for this, and therefore right. will also fail. Um, so we have a program to upgrade specifically in those really radiation difficult uh, environments. In the forward part of the detector, we will upgrade the detector and 
also very in the very central part of it. So it sounds like there's a lot of innovation as you go here to you find, oh, you have this problem mm -hmm. with the radiation, mm -hmm. and then you make these corrections, but then you get something a lot better. You really move substantially from there. Okay. Absolutely. All right. We talked about the trigger before, yes. right? So this, this upgraded detector will have a much more capable triggering uh -huh. system okay. as well. So we can look at, you know, not just core signatures in the detector, but we can measure the momentum of charged particle very precisely already on this, on, this, on this trigger level, which then allows us to, you know, select the interesting events more efficiently in the future. Or we can select them similarly as we do today, but in a much more difficult environment. Yes. Um, I think I read that you were planning to be designing a, like a new detector. Is that correct? So what we are, we were thinking ahead. So when you th look at the LHC, the LHC, the, the concepts of the LHC have been pushed forward in the 80s. There was an initial meeting in Lausanne in 84. We took first collisions in 2009. It takes a lot of planning and foresight yeah. in this kind of large style in order to move, move the community and right, doing right. enough it's research huge and development. Community, so yeah. we are thinking right now, and we have been doing this for a while, what is the next project after the LHC? So for that we found an answer. That's the, the high luminosity LHC, so that's an extension of the program, and that's why we do these upgrades in 2024-26. Okay. This program is supposed to last and give us inf in interesting physics to 2038. But then the question is, what happens afterwards? What are the questions we might not have answered then, but are interesting to follow up? What needs to happen between now and then in order to be able to you know, at least propose a new machine? And so we have been doing that um, in Europe, in the United States, also in China and Japan. China's moving right along. And uh, all those programs are very international in a sense, that yes. you know, those discussions don't happen in any vacuum. Um, there is ideas for linear colliders for electrons and positrons. There's ideas for a similar concept to the LHC, but not this. Now I have to talk in kilometers, not yeah, 26 no, right. kilometers, but 100 yes. kilometers, yeah, yeah. 60 miles, I think. Yes, um, something like whatever. <laughs> 60 miles. We're going to catch up. <laughs> circumference. Um, this machine will then allow us to bring protons to collisions, not at the current, you know, just to give a number, 13 or 14 tera electron volts, but maybe up to 100 tera electron volts. So we almost go an order of magnitude in, in, in scales we, can, we are able to probe with these machines. And then ultimately answer questions whether or not you know, dark matter exists in a particle. That was the question next. Do, can you get really that far back? Can you, can you reconstruct that very earliest universe mm -hmm. from there? So, so you do anticipate so that. Dark matter is one of the big questions mm -hmm. in, in fundamental physics right now. And the only evidence we have for this, this matter is uh, through gravitational effects. So we look into the cosmos and we find that there is matter which doesn't interact with light. That's why it's right, called dark right. matter. Um, and it's very fundamental to the formation of our universe. Right. Um, okay. We don't know what it is. There yeah. is no particle which, in our standard theory, which would explain this phenomena, which means that our understanding is clearly incomplete. Yes. Um, so we might be able to find, this, even with the LHC, uh, candidates for, for dark matter. Um, we have other experiments where we look at the collision of dark matter with itself. Um, there's an, inter in, in, an interesting experiment on the International Space Station, which is called AMS. They look for 
the, the, the remnants of a collision of dark matter with itself, which means, uh, you know, an right, excess right. of antimatter particles yes, yes, yeah. are being detected by this experiment. That's exciting. They're still t taking data on the International Space Station for this. There's also experiment underground, which look for the collision of dark matter with some normal matter. Yeah. And so then you see signatures in your, in your detectors of this kind of interaction. Right. So None of this has, has given us any clue for new physics. Right, There's some right. not fully explained results, so it's interesting to follow up on those, but we really need better ideas for detectors and we need... Um, but it's a possibility yeah. in, that you are going to reconstruct the, that earliest uh, uh, stage of that first three minutes or whatever <laughs> there uh, to be able to maybe detect this this sort of thing, which is really... It, it's not really necessary that we create this very hot and dense matter. Right, we the, just the, need the to pieces. have... The reason why we haven't found dark matter can be either that we are not probing the right mass mm -hmm, scale mm -hmm. or that the interaction is so weak that we do have to look at more collisions. Mm -hmm. So what we are trying to do is move in both directions. We're trying to probe higher mass scales, but we also try to take more collisions that we can probe very small interaction rates, meaning a very small number of events being created in our detector. Yeah, but that's very exciting to think that they might really get a handle on things, you, just uh, uh, to be able to go back mm -hmm. at the beginning and find out what where did this dark matter stuff come yeah. from. <laughs> but you know, the, just to give a few, you know, years for this. So we're planning projects which might put start data taking in 2040, mm -hmm. and then you know potentially take data mm -hmm. for 10, 15, 20 mm -hmm. years to so 2050, you know, 60. So it's kind of interesting to think about what we might learn, what kind of technologies we might be able to use. Also defining a roadmap in, in order to develop the technology which makes this kind of physics possible. For example, the design of magnets which are able to give us extremely strong fields such that we can bend those protons in a circle, having those magnets being able to run at higher temperatures. Those magnets um, currently are used other, other kind of magnets, weaker magnets, are used in any given hospital. So there is a real application of oh, this. Oh, I see. The, the, the on the downstream. On the yeah. roadmap of our, our yeah, research, yeah. which you know, is kind of, you can call it the fallout of our research, which can be, has a real immediate impact for society. I see. Uh, so you're part of this really interesting community. How did you get into this particle physics, I guess? There's, there's a number of points in my life where this, you know, you know, you can always say crossroads and you make decisions. One was my high school teacher getting me excited about particle physics. And he did this by uh, bringing us to a museum in Germany, which is a German museum of science, if you want, in, in Munich. And there was an apparatus, um, which is basically a, a chamber, which is filled with some fog. Mm -hmm. And you can see cosmic particles wow. going yes. through. And you can play games by, you know, putting a probe in front and you create some interactions that way. And I just wanted to understand then how this works. And then we tried to rebuild one of those in our high school, which was fascinating. But then getting into this large science later on in my... Now then this was one of the key drivers for me to study physics, I think. Um, but then getting involved in, in science at CERN as an undergraduate, I, I just started to love this international community. Uh, you know, when you, you know, I grew up in Germany, um, you know, you're surrounded by Germans most of the time, yes, but right. when you enter CERN, you're surrounded by people of all kinds it, of it, nations it, it's and backgrounds. It's fabulous, isn't it? Yeah. That you know, people can 
really come together and produce something. I think it's something. because we define common goals. Yes. And then we work yeah. on those goals yeah. and forget a little bit the differences yeah. and, and cultural differences. Right. There's also a lot to be learned from, from different cultures yes. in scientific process. Yes. You know, the way we, we approach problems, the it's way we find solutions. It's going to be very different. Exactly. I realize that you are back and forth at CERN just constantly. Will that continue in the uh, downtime? Here? Yeah, so there's a big program of work between now and the next collision. Okay. Um, it has to do with prepara preparing and you know, looking again at the data we already collected, um, preparing the detector for the next phase. Um, all of those are things, you know, those two years that will pass by before we they know. They go very quickly. Yeah. They go very quickly. And I imagine just getting through that data is a, a, a monumental mm -hmm. job. So I think people get very excited with, with this, although it's a struggle to understand, especially when you see the uh, extended pictures of the standard model anymore. <laughs> but I, I would argue that it's actually quite simple. There's only a, hand, you know, a few particles yeah. and a handful of, of interactions between those, or less than that even. Um, when you look around, you see all this you know, beautiful, you know, diverse set of you know, materials and colors. They're all made out of Little a couple tiny of quarks things. and yes. an electron, really, yes. and two interactions holding those things together. I think it's... Uh, Rather fascinating and beautiful, simple. isn't it? Exactly. It really has a beauty to it that the, mm -hmm. the, 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 all this design. But it is true; it wakes you up that uh, you have everything comes down to these few things, the few particles, basically mm -hmm. that make up an atom that then produce all the matter that we know. And so, I can't wait to hear about the antimatter and other goodies that you will come up with in the future. Thank you very much, very for for all the information. I thank you for having me. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast of a Science for the Public event. Please check out our website, www.scienceforthepublic.org, for videos of all our events, lists of upcoming events, our weekly Sci News Roundup newsletter, and timely science information.